The Koi Gig Pod. Exactly what Arsenal needed. They didn't have her on the pitch. They would have flaked because they were flaking. And it just seemed to be that little bite in her kind of did drag them Subscribe along. to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB GAA. The Football Pod on Off The Ball in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag the toughest. Hello there and you're very welcome along to episode 13 of the Football Pod with James O'Donoghue and Paddy Andrews. We've just witnessed a dramatic first weekend of championship action. I was going to say it's hard to know where to start boys, but I think we'll go to Gaelic Park, to New York Leitrim, New York winning on penalties the first time. Will we go down to James O'Donoghue's Cork in Ennis? Should we start with, should we start with Roscommon? Putting in a perfect performance against Mayo. Paddy, you pick where you want to go first. The provincial championships have got a lot of stick uh, over the last couple of months with the uh, with the new system, and I think everyone's in agreement it's probably not perfect. But as a first go of it, what a shot in the arm they got late, very late on Saturday night with New York getting their first ever championship win on penalties. The city that never sleeps uh, looked like some crack over there. I have to say, um, would have been great, I suppose, if we got a little bit more coverage back here. I don't think anyone was really expecting that shock, but for for New York, what a massive, massive win for them and the work that's gone on over there over the last number of years. Couple, a couple of ex-players we would have played with and against, myself and Jimmy, over the years, who are talking out for New York now. For Leitrim, it's hard to dress it up. It's a bit of a disaster to lose that game. So that kicked off the provincial championships. And then we had, I wouldn't say a major upset, but a bit of a shock in Castlebar yesterday as well. So not a bad start to the provincial championships, I have to say. Credit where it's due. Yeah, unbelievable stuff. Like you, you said there that not many people were giving New York a chance. There was a lot of money put on New York in the last uh, couple of days before that game. They were very confident over there. Johnny McGinney, their manager, retained so much of the squad from last year. Mm. They've added a couple of other players. Um, they convinced Shane Carty, who you've won two All-Irelands with in Dublin, to come down the road from Boston. Uh, Carty said it, they sat down in January together and they said it'd be 10 journeys up and down between then and the, the Leitrim game. They targeted it. They pushed Leitrim close in 2019-2018 and then last year lost to Sligo by four points. Lads, it was it was one of those games when you're watching it and it's like history is sticking its paws in. You could just feel it. Like Leitrim had enough goal chances to win three games and even in the end of injury time, of extra time, they must have had two or three chances to get the ball over the bar and, and seal it. And then once it went to penalties, it was just... You know, something magic point, about it, it. Like the 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 sunset was sort of purple. The way it was reflecting around the the buildings of the Bronx that were you know over the floodlights of Gaelic Park. You could see the blue lights of a you know an emergency vehicle surrounding the grounds. The stadium was packed. People roaring and screaming for New York. Like every wide that New York kicked was you know screened for a point. And yeah, that that just can't be easy. That can't be easy going over there, flying over there, and, and trying to get it done for a team that really believed they're gonna turn you over no, it's definitely it, it's definitely not easy going over and there's a there's a lot of distraction in terms of you know, your, your <laughs> flight excitement yeah it, it, it's a lot of hacking for, for Leitrim but at the same time you have to be very you have to be very careful that you're tuned in 100% for that game and the chances are they, they probably weren't do you know like they just got 
They got caught. I mean, on paper, New York actually have an excellent team. The only thing that you would say is they had no preparation in terms of, of matches played. So that's why I would say that Leitrim were favourites. But if you actually look on paper, New York had an excellent team. And obviously the work going on in New York is, is unbelievable. But you you would have fancied Leitrim going over there. But I'd say just with everything going on, the fact that the game got down into the melting pot, the, the wave of enthusiasm behind New York, and in fairness, it's an unbelievable win. For the championship, I think it's 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 a great win. I think that that everyone kind of had had a soft spot for New York. Everyone kind of, you know, was hoping they'd pull something off and and they did. So no, fair play to them. It's an unbelievable story. Isn't that yeah. the thing? In games like that, where you're playing an underdog, the longer that game goes on, the longer you yeah. keep them in the game, the more dangerous it becomes. Yeah, the more doubt you have and the more hope they yeah, have. Yeah, it just gives them a little bit more belief to, like you say, the crowd get involved. Like if Leitrim go over there and then they net a couple of early goals, it just kills the whole atmosphere. Kills New York's kind of nearly belief in a way. But we've played so many games where you're playing an underdog and you're a little bit sloppy, you're not clinical enough, and it just brings the crowd into it, it increases their belief, and then you're into a dogfight. And like you say, Tommy, once it gets to that stage, it feels like it's written in the stars for New York. And you could see it, to be fair, last year, they give Sligo a serious game over in Gaelic Park and Sligo pull away a bit towards the end. And then you look on paper, you're right. Like Shane Carty was a part of our squad for a couple of years. Owen Cairn in Galway, he was a big part of their a really good year they had under Kevin Walsh in 2018. Johnny Glynn, who's obviously won in All-Ireland at the highest level over here in a different code, albeit. But the big challenge for New York is getting getting a structure in place, getting a good coach in place where you can maximise the players you have at your disposal. And they seem to have done that. They've been building for the last couple of years. And you're right, there's, they've been in the long grass. You get a sense that they were going to pull something out of the bag. But for them to finally get their first championship win, Leitrim would be kicking themselves. No two ways about it. You have chances and you, and you don't take them. Uh, they're on the wrong side of history, but for to kick off the championships, I mean, <laughs> what a shot in the arm for the provincial championships. And they probably needed it, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And look, look at New York people will tell you that they, this has been coming. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, an extra time That's, win against Leitrim in 2018. In 20, I always remember listening to Willie Hegarty on Shannon's side in 2016, commentating as Roscommon bet New York by 115 to 17 points. And that Roscommon went on then to the Connacht final that year and they uh, they lost the Galway after a replay in the Connacht final. But like New York, you're saying there about getting things right underage. There are players coming. There's homegrown players coming in New York. Uh, there's a lot of money going into the game over there. There's serious passion. They're getting their managers right. We we could be in trouble. We, we might have to split New York into the five boroughs at some stage lads, when it comes to championship football. Talk to me a bit about some of the lads now that's on that squad because I know quite a few of them. Um, I'm keeping an eye on, on uh, New York football over the last little while, but they've had some additions this year. Shane Carty, just to, he obviously caught the eye, Paddy. That last point he kicked was a point that the Dubs would be proud of. They kept the ball for two minutes. <laughs> they switched to play. Gavin O'Brien won a kick out and bore down the wing. They switched the point to the attack. Owen Cairns played a left footed pass. Haven't got full confirmation, but apparently it's the first left footed pass that Owen Cairns ever kicked. <laughs> Shane Carty gathers it and puts it over on his left. Carty revealed last night in the Sunday game, he had to kick with his left throughout the game because he tore a muscle in his right foot, his right quad earlier in the week. So, Carty, now did Carty have the sort of scoring power in his locker room when, when he was in with the dubs or was yeah, he? I tell you, he was, he's, he's a late developer to, to GAA. He mm. first grew up in the States and then he came and, and played with Vince. He was part of a very successful St. Vincent's team with Dermot Connolly, Tomas Quinn. 
etc. And he came into Dublin for a couple of years. And the thing, and every single Dublin team will tell you this, he is an absolute machine fitness-wise. I have never seen anyone run like this fella in a G- on a GAA pitch. The ball would be thrown in our training games and he would just run up and down the middle of the pitch non-stop, like a marathon. Not, he's not electric fast, sharp, but he will just run lads into the ground. And he used that score, what epitomised him. He would always get on the end of things. He would just run. And I'm talking our fitness tests with Dublin, you know, the likes of James McCarthy, Keno sort of were always guys that'd be top of the pops. But Shane Carthy used to win everything. He wow. was just, the engine he had was incredible. And he worked so hard on his game, to be fair to him. That was type right foot, left foot, clipping over scores because he knew he'd find himself in those positions because lads just literally could not keep up with him. So I seen the score, I was following it on Twitter and it just, it didn't surprise me that he was, so what was it, seven minutes into entry time, he was the man to get on the end of it. Because yeah. that is, that's his greatest strength. Um and like I say, having someone like that, he was involved in, in our team probably at its peak for a couple of years. So what he would take from our group into a dressing room like New York, supplement the guys like Johnny Glenn, you could see the leadership he was showing there. Um, and just, it seems to have, they've got a bit of structure to pull all of that stuff together. Do you know what I mean? And for New York, James, you said it, that they haven't got a lot of games, but they've obviously been building, waiting in the long grass. And when you sprinkle that little bit of stardust with the likes of guys, like Shane Carty, Owen Kern, who've played at the highest level over here for a couple of years in Ireland in the Championship. It's a, it's a brilliant story. But for Shane, that his fitness is incredible, lads. <laughs> it is. And seeing that score, I was like, yeah, that is the perfect Shane Carty score. I'm delighted for him. Delighted. Yeah. And you obviously you hear commuting up and down from, from Boston down to New York. Um, he's so that's outrageous. That's so a, passionate about it. Do you know what I mean? That's a three or four hour flight, is it? Yeah. So if you quit yeah. there, no, three or four hour drive. I think it's a maybe an hour long flight or something like that. I don't, think, I don't think the flight is too bad. Yeah, but you know what? He he his person. He he is so Still he's mad commute. for GA. He's yeah. mad for Gaelic football. He's seen his celebrations with Larry McCarthy, GA president, after the game. It meant so much to the New York players. But for Shane Carty, for him to kick that score, that's his approach. He's him commuting up and down from Boston to New York would wouldn't be ended to him. He is just mad to contribute and play. So he ran. He ran down. He could have run yeah. down. Yeah, <laughs> lads, you're laughing, Jimmy. Do you know, like, Gavin White would be for you guys down in Kerry. Do you know, like, anytime there's a fitness An animal, yeah. at any stage of the season, there's one or two lads who are nailed. And Shane Carty was like that. A savage. <laughs> savage for running. Yeah, so look, that, that New York team, we kind of started getting wind of who was on the panel. There was rumours of certain players going over and it wasn't confirmed until the Friday who they actually had. Did you get asked, Jimmy? What's that? When New York on to used to go over, no? I had the phone on the desk and nothing. <laughs> I've been waiting for New York and Desi Farrell to ring me for the last... I had the time happened. I've worked booked or not. <laughs> My phone reception, I think. But we, we, did have, we did have two Kerry fellas who played Championship in 2019. Gavin O'Brien starred in the league and Rob Wharton came off the bench against Clare in the 2019 yeah. Championship. James Wharton was brilliant at number six and Gavin O'Brien... He just came into that game as it went along, had a huge influence throughout the, the second half and, and extra time. Well, Gavin Can O'Brien, you give us an insight into the lads there? Yeah. Gavin plays for Strand Road or Kieran Zorathlis who got to the All-Ireland semi-final, got beat by Kim McCudd. So he went over straight, or he was actually commuting back at the end of that run. Mm. Um, Serious operator. I kind of one that got away for Kerry. I think he probably would have been on the panel if he didn't go to to New York this time. I think he was called in 
unbelievable hands, great leap, great engine as well. Um, cover serious ground like that plays big moments of games comes into games and catch an unbelievable ball or kick a great score create a goal um, just an excellent player serious operator now to, 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 for New York to have him was was a great one to get and Rob Wharton again he was in the Kerry panel for a couple of years wing back very highly rated in Kerry um, could have easily been been starting wing back with the, with a bit of luck Um but it just did, it didn't go his way, I suppose, at the time. But there was people crying out for him to be to be on the team down down in Kerry. So again, a serious operator to have to have for New York and to slipping in there, centre back, a bit of responsibility. He'll thrive. Yeah. He actually he was on he was on um, a South Kerry team that beat us in the county final um, back in twenty fifteen. So I'm still sour over that. But uh, no, it's great to see the lads doing well because they deserve they deserve a chance in championship. Yeah, hundred percent. They, they they have quality players. That's yeah, not, absolute it's quality. Not like twenty years ago, in New York, where, where they might have one or two players, and then there's such a drop off to the other twelve or thirteen guys. Or lads are playing, and they're kind of in New York. They're socially playing more so than anything. Like what they have now, you look through their squad. They have technically really good players who played at a high level in Ireland, and and they're over there. And it's structure, organization. There's a fitness about them, like you say. They they. They can keep the pace with Division Three, Division Four teams uh, that are playing here in Ireland. So it's it's a brilliant story. It is. It's great to see. It's fairy tale New York. Yeah, Did you like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, with, with 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 Gavin O'Brien, they call him Mush. But with Mush, they had the the Kearns or Ireland's club bar packed out watching the game. So it's class. They like, just have that added element to it. So everyone is. Uh, we'll, have do, uh, we'll have to do a football pod or whatever about Killarney in May we'll have to get over to the Big Apple in June just to get boots on the ground and examine how this is going it's only fair it's only fair we'll have to do it absolutely we'll we'll get Killarney locked in first odds we'll come back to that in a moment Uh, last word on on New York like one of the big things is like Jamie Boyle their cornerback we've seen his story before he's a New York native the Brosnan brothers Mikey Brosnan buried the winning penalty and Johnny McGinney said he knew he was going to score because he, he didn't what a penalty as well unbelievable penalty. especially when you've seen when you've seen so many people miss penalties it must kind of feed into a, a nervousness or whatever there do you know like so took it exceptionally well uh, and his brother Shane had a great game as well so look there's Galway lads there Adrian Varley and, and Johnny Glynn um, there's the tip lads Owen Cairns as well from Galway like it was a strong strong New York team and now they go on to play Sligo Sligo Nearly got caught against them last year over in New York. This game is in Markovich Park. Yeah. The winners of that game are in the Connacht final. And the winners of that game will play in the All-Ireland series. It's been confirmed that New York can compete in the All-Ireland round robin. But if New York loses to Sligo, they will go straight into the Talchon Cup preliminary round. So they'll be the 17th team in the Talchon Cup. They will not play in the Talchon Cup round robin, which I, I actually don't know the, the exact reason for that. So that was New York Leitrim on Saturday Night Lads. Unbelievable entertainment entertainment into the wee hours Ennis had a big game on Claire and Cork I was sent up to Castle Bar from work I'm not sure why but uh, couldn't make it into that game so I got to see Roscommon put on one of the best defensive performances I've seen in a long time mm-hmm. to completely thwart Mayo and get over the line It was. I've got a bit of stick on Twitter for describing it as a smash and grab it's probably a clunky way of, of putting it it was more of a Roscommon snared Mayo into their trap and they just ripped them to shreds. That was really it. Like they kind of 
perfect counter-attacking game, um, which is really An ambush, good. Tommy. It was a beautiful ambush from the Razzis. That, that, that's, yeah, sort of sort of how you'd see it. But a lot of people always say, you know, Roscommon were third in the league and uh, they would have been quietly confident going into that game as well that they were going to beat Mayo. There, there was a couple of things from that game that we might get into. And, and Cork, James, Cork, you are Mayon, the official. Mayo and Roscommon, is it? You are the official spokesperson. <laughs> we go back to Mayo Roscommon? You are the official I spokesperson Cork for Cork football. For some reason, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. I said the Cork were a team to watch. I didn't say that they were necessarily going to be any good. <laughs> I said they'd be interesting to watch. Where are you going with this? Like this, are a weasel. <laughs> Own it. No, Where they've had a mare. They've had a mare. Like, because this was an absolutely colossal game for the championship to get into it. We knew what was on the line for both teams. Even a couple of months ago, you'd have said this was a huge championship match. Mm. I mean, so much on the line. To go out on a, on a whimper then, it's so disappointing for Cork, but it's another, It's you couldn't say it's a wake-up call, it's another, it's just another downer for them, but in fairness, Claire, like, backs against the walls, at home, just to, to dig out that result, it was a, an unbelievable win for them, and, and deserved a win, and we said that both sides are very well matched, Claire arguably maybe the better side, but... I just felt like it was such a big game for Cork to finally be back and announce yourselves back in the championship. Take care of business there against Clare and you're up and running. But no, they, they couldn't do it. They I'm very disappointed with Cork. They've they've had it they've had they've had a nightmare there. Um but Jim, fair play to Clare. They deserve we it. it. We said it last week with missing Hurley, you felt was gonna hurt Cork. And that, that's like they only score five points from play. Stephen Sherlock kicks his freeze, which we know we can. Claire get their matchups right. Kind of Sean Powder, Matty Taylor, who've been very effective for Cork coming from deep in any of the good performances they had in the National League. But missing Hurley, he just wondered where they're going to have the firepower to get over the line. You look at the other end of the field, Keelan Sexton for Clare, kind of takes on that mantle from David Tubbery of, of being the kind of the go-to guy in big championship games. And it was a tight game, but Clare probably could have won it by more realistically. But that loss for, for Cork of Hurley, he's their talisman. And the fact that it was in Ennis, those small margins you felt were going to count against them. But I, I agree, it's just <laughs> for Cork, that is like they, they consolidate themselves in Division Two, they get some good results in the National League. You feel they can try and build a little bit of momentum, but this puts them, it's a massive loss. It puts them back nearly to square one. It yeah, does. It, it, it feels, it feels like that, doesn't it? It, it does. Feels like it's just like the chance of maybe getting to a Munster final against Kerry and Killarney. And it, getting back playing in big games and and that's that defeat just sets them back so much but for, for Colin Collins and Clare that home advantage was massive for them they disappointed that they've obviously they lost a couple of tight games and lose their Division 2 status and they're thinking is the Talton Cup you know Clare are kind of dripping back to where they were maybe 10 years ago or so but that's such a massive win for them they play Limerick in the Munster semi-final you fancy them to get through that one and then that puts them back into an All-Ireland series by, by getting to a Munster final. So there was so much riding on that game. And mm, you see there was a lot. A lot of implications for that game. For the Division 2 teams, Division 2 and 3 teams, the provincial championships are massive <laughs> because it's, it's that route into, into the All-Ireland series. Mm. You know, Mayo losing yesterday, okay, it's, it's disappointing. But in the grand scheme of things, their, their season is still going to be geared towards the All-Ireland. It's not that much of an impact there. But for Cork or Clare, losing that game yesterday, it's... And has such an impact, and well, Cork, there it's <laughs> they'll be absolutely good at losing that one. It was such a big game. 
that there was so much on the line in that game. If Clare lost, they were banished to the Talton Cup yeah. for the year, if you want to put it that way. And I say that because Clare were in the last eight last year and they yeah. would see themselves as a team worthy of competing in the All-Ireland Series that they've got to that stage. It felt a little bit like it was the look of the league evening itself out um, potentially over the weekend because now Mead are the ones who have probably suffered the most from that defeat because they now need to reach a Leinster final to be able to avoid playing in the Thatchin Cup. So that trap door is well and truly alive and well there. In but just the, the c- job, just before that time, the, the job that Cullum Collins has done with Clare like, <laughs> is incredible. I, I said it last year that that he was one of the one of the managers of the season, but like he had to re, he had to do an element of rebuilding at the start of this year. You know they they got to the to the quarterfinal, got a drubbing, had to kind of circle the wagons again. They didn't have a great league, but to come out and and dig out that result just speaks so highly of the group and Colin Collins. I think they've done he's done an, an unbelievable job. Couldn't speak highly enough of him as manager. Well, the, the Clare Cork League game, Cork ended up hammering them. In that in the second half but that game was on a knife edge at half time there was I think a point there in either way and Cork just came out and they went for the juggler to blew Clare away Paddy you mentioned it the matchups that Clare got right this week and it's also something we saw in the Roscommon Mayo game just the, the the tactical um, nuances that we saw over the weekend were so important we had Podge Collins man marking a wing back at the weekend in Clare and Cork he took Matty Taylor down uh, Sean Powder so influential throughout the league who, who drops back from 15 and even plays that link role in attack as well as sweeping. He had Pierce Lewis following him around the pitch in Cusick Park. Essentially nullified him as well. So like when you said Clare possibly should have won by more, they missed a couple of decent chances, a couple of decent frees. But Clare scores from from play. Like Sexton scores. The, the dummy he sold um, when Clare were 9-6 down and, and clipped the score over the bar. Another one when he had five Cork fellas around him in the corner. They just there was something about there's a belief in that Clare team that they're never beaten. Um, Lads, in, you know, in, big, in big championship games, having someone who can kick a little bit of magic. I know we're we're all forwards here, lads, and we're obviously biased because you can't win big championship games without top forwards. That's the you look at even Ross Common, Dermot Murta down the stretch yesterday, kicked yeah. some massive scores. That focal point, Keelan Sexton yesterday. Cork missing Hurley, who's their kind of talismanic inside forward. Someone who can just ease the pressure valve. Clip two or three big points. And like you say, it, Cork, they score five from play. Not enough. Whereas Clare had Sexton as an outlet. Actually misses a couple of frees, but he kicks mm. four massive points from play. In the tight championship games, having someone who can kick those spinners, are, it's just... Does anyone stand out, you know... In a championship match that you just know, right, he's on it. Get it to him. Well, well, the best teams have these guys. The best teams have these. And uh, like the guys of Clifford, Conor Callahan, they're at the very, very top in the biggest teams. They get a lot of the limelight. But you look through all the all the teams, division two, three, four. If you have a guy who can kick spinners under pressure, it just gets you out of jail. Gets you out of it's it, the easiest thing I feel for, for coaches to implement. A defensive system, get bodies back, be hard to play against. But if you have a little bit of stardust up front, the tight games, you look at the games come down, it's one point, two point, three points in it. Having someone who can take that, the big scores under a big pressure, that wins you the games. It wins you the games. And simply put, Claire had that yesterday, Cork didn't. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what is a thing for me is that it's so important, I think, when you're developing as a player to play in a lot of, a lot of different positions. For the exact reason that you spoke about there, Tom, about, about Cork's 
kind of danger men being marked out of it. A lot of time, if you're playing half back or you're sweeping, you've never been marked by a man in your life. Yeah. The next thing, a fella's falling around and you're going, I don't know what to do here. And that happens in so many games. Mm. And a lot of match reports are like, oh, they focused in on that fella and took him out of the game. No, all they did was put a man on him, which is the way it's supposed <laughs> to be anyway. Everyone is supposed to be on a man. But everyone is is dropping back, marking no one at times and breaking forward and and kicking scores and, and seeming great. But at the end of the day, you're going to be on a man in a difficult time in a championship match. You have to be able to shake him off, get the ball and do something important with someone who's been tasked to mark you. I think we, a lot if of... If we were half-backs, Jimmy, we'd still be playing, me and you. We'd be cruising back there. We'd be kicking eight from play. <laughs> Sweeping. Franz Beckenbauer. <laughs> <laughs> no one near oh, you. It is, it's a thing, like the, the dangerous half-backs, they are going to be marked because it comes down to a point or two and a lot of them are going to have to get used to it, you know, because it's, it's that tactical thing by managers, right? You're stopping him, even though he's not even a forward and they're not used to it. Yeah. We, we give kudos to Shane Carty for that clutch equaliser in the New York Leitrim game. Um, O'Donovan from Cork kicked a brilliant equaliser for, for Cork in the, I think the 73rd minute. There was a minute of injury time left to play. Less and Claire put together a brilliant move. Carty spoke about looking for the space. And Killian Rowan did the same thing, where he just found himself in 20, 30 yards of space in that last 30 seconds. On the blind side, How does that happen, that you can just find that space? Is it everyone's just focused on the ball? Like, it, it, he yes. took it very well. He, he fits it over the bar, he kept his head. Like the the centre channel has always got to be, at nearly all stages of the game, that's going to be clogged up. But you get down to injury time, 74, 75 minutes on the clock. There's just, there is panic. And the teams mm. that can keep their composure, keep their shape and keep their wit. If you have a cornerback, a wing back, they can just, we used to call it just ghosting up on the side. Everyone's kind of focused on the ball or the key players are being man marked. It's like, don't let it get to the shooter. And it can be an, un, an unsung hero creeping up the far side of the pitch and they find themselves in space and, like so many times, this is not a new phenomenon. You see this through the history of GAA. Unlikely heroes coming up with the big scores at, at the end of games. Mm. And, and for Claire, that was the case yesterday. You know, it's it can happen so often. Just someone having a little bit of patience and going, yeah. where, where is the space? Not getting dragged to the ball because everyone wants to get on the ball and make a big play. You can nearly just wait and the ball will come to you. If you and that's for Claire to, to get that win yesterday. It won't be the last time we'll see that in the championship. I'll tell you that much. 100%. But that game, as we mentioned, had implications for Mead, for Kildare, for Cork, because Clare and Limerick will meet in the Munster semi-final. And that is two Division three teams. So it means that somebody else is going to end up in the Tatchin Cup. So a huge result. So the other results, Armagh got the job done against Antrim, 20 points to 1-8. Um, Connor Turbot starred, Shane McPartland in his first championship game, kicked four points. Sligo dispatched of London, um, 220 to 12 points. So a, a, you know an impressive win there from Sligo off the back of their their league win last week. We mentioned New York's win against, historic win against Leitrim on penalties. Roscommon in Connacht, 2-8 to 10 points. We're going to get into that game in a couple of minutes. Clare, as we mentioned, 14 points to 13 winners against Cork. Tipperary got over the line against Waterford. This game was 1-8 apiece with less than 10 minutes to go. And Tip scored two late goals to win by 3-9 to 1-11. In Leinster then, we had Wicklow beating Carlo, continuing their good form under Oshie McConville, 2-12 to 10 points. Offaly got over the line against Longford, to win by a point, 112 to 111. And Leash have beaten Wexford by 270 to 213 and have earned the prize of facing Dublin in the Leinster quarterfinals. 
You are listening to episode 13 of the Football Pod with Paddy Anders and James O'Donoghue. We're going to be back right after this talking about Mayo Common and the Ulster Championship games to come next weekend. You are very welcome back to episode 13 of the Football Pod with Paddy Anders and James O'Donoghue. Lads, we teased it last week. We have a live show coming up. We can't wait for it. We are going to Paddy Andrews' favourite destination in the entire world. Where are we going, Paddy? <laughs> the Monte Carlo of Ireland. Killarney. Killarney. Thursday, May 4th. The Football Pod Live will be in the Great Southern Hotel. Tickets are €20. Euro. You can get them by searching for the Football Pod Live Killarney. You can get them on our social media. Or if you just go on to um, offtheball.com forward slash events, you'll get them there as well. It's brought to you with thanks to AIB, proud sponsor of the Senior Football Championship. Lads, we can't wait. We Keith Higgins in Castlebar last year for our first live road show. And then we were with Michael Meehan and Kim Croaks just before the All-Ireland Final. They're good crack, aren't they? It is a good night out, I have to say. We don't even need a special guest for this one, though, T, with Jimmy. Jimmy's homecoming. I expect him to get, to get in the King's chair into the Great Sutter. The whole <laughs> village will be out. There'll be 10,000 tickets sold for is, is that fair, James? I'll be pelted with rotten fruit in the way, and it's a... <laughs> That's the thing yeah. about Clarny, though. Clarny is kind of split, isn't it? Like, you're the Legion, you're a Legion man, and then you've obviously got croaks on the far side. Like, would you be revered in Clarny? Or would you be like... I would have thought no. so, yeah. There's a statue of you on the main street there yet, no? You and Gooch. One each. It's... <laughs> there actually should be one of Gooch, to be fair. But no, it will, it will be great. I, I hope, you know, from the other road shows, there was a lot of people from loads of counties there. Mm. I hope that we have that. I hope we have a sprinkling of kind of a bit of everything because we can touch on a lot. Um, but it's an unbelievable weekend weekend in Clarny like you know, just after the bank holiday it'll be serious crack great southern great venue as well um, there'll be a nice crowd there middle of town so straight into town a few points after it'll yeah. be uh, brilliant event it's magic this will be go crack it's, I'm looking it's forward the, to this we, we, we could have been building up to a, a Munster final in Clarny on the Sunday if Cork had a Done there, but yesterday, unfortunately. Yeah, if Cork got to the final, it would have been on in Clarny. But sure, like, we're going to have that week, lads. We're going to have the All-Ireland Round Robin draws on the 2nd of May. We're going to have the Connor final that weekend, the Munster final. James, you mentioned it. When we were in Mayo, we had people from Westmead coming across the country. When we were in Dublin, we had Monaghan people coming down. People from all over the country were coming to the show. So that's the kind of hope, is that there's nearly like a a football pod um, bus, we'll say. We'll have to put on a bus from we'll a couple of counties. Clarny, Clarny and May, that's a good weekend. I'd be going. I'd be spending a couple of days. Yeah, I've heard a little rumor that Paddy Anders has already booked uh, around the golf or two that week. Has he? <laughs> I may be on the fairways of the kingdom. I expect I will be, but uh, no, it'll be class. Looking forward to it. the road shows are always go crack and like right in the middle of the championship as well. Yeah, we will have a few special guests. We won't be just relying on Jimmy, of course, as big mm. as you are down there, Jimmy. But uh, we might have a couple of guests to give us a bit of insight as well. Yeah, it'll be uh, an exclusive live off-air event. And uh, yeah, we, we put on a show, which is what we did last year, and we'll do it again this year. And I can confirm that James and Paddy, in a live environment, are loose. <laughs> in a good way, in a good yeah, way. That's it, 100%. Let's just talk about Castle Bar, lads, and what we saw yesterday in the rain. Um. I certainly started to feel edgier and edgier for Mayo as as the throw into that game approached. When I heard Tommy Conroy was starting and James 
Carr had dropped out of the 26 alongside David McBride. Oh, McLaughlin was starting instead of McBride. You're looking at the, first of all, you're looking at Mayo's back six and you're like, who's going to play full back? What are the matchups going to be? They're already going deeper into their reserves. They've lost Keegan and Mullen earlier this year, missing a couple of players that have been starting this year, like Hessian and Callanan, who has 20s championship this week. And Conroy, like I said it to you after the Tyrone game, I didn't think he looked close to being right yet. And obviously he showed us a little bit in Crow Park coming off the bench. I would question whether Kevin McStay in an ideal world would have started Tommy Conroy against Roscommon because Brian Stack absolutely shut him down. And Roscommon got their matchups perfectly right. And they really took the sting out of that game. 19 minutes in, it was one point apiece. What did you think watching on? I was... Uh- I was surprised they started Conroy, but I suppose his 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 hand was forced. He had to, yeah, with James Carr, so he didn't really have an option. But it definitely did take a serious tool out of out of McStay's kind of armory towards the end of the game. Because if they could have brought on Conroy, he could have given him that impetus. But you you could also argue the damage was done in the first half. You know, in terms of the two goals, so hard to come back from. But I think the main the main point from this is obviously unbelievable win from Ross Common. But in the greater scheme of things, it doesn't really make that much difference to Mayo for losing. It's disappointing. It's a great win for Ross Common, but they're not they're not going to be be dealt a hammer blow with this at all. If anything, they're going to go into four or five week massive training block with a kick up the arse and and actually a new focus. I, I think in the long run, it could actually do Mayo the world of good. That's fair, but they might end up in a group with Dublin and hypothetically Armagh. Doesn't matter, and then you've got to play the matter. second second team, the no. top team in the second team in your first two games. It doesn't matter because even if they come third in the group, if they have an absolute, the worst performances ever in the group and they come third, which they're guaranteed to at least come third, they're still in the playoff against a second place team to get into the quarterfinal after that. Mm. So I know we're only losing so four teams. Yeah. So many chances. And the training block is probably worth worth more to in the grand scheme of things, I don't it's not the end of the world for, for, for Mayo. Like say, they've had a, an unbelievable spring. And I wouldn't just say on the back of yesterday, seven days ago, we were talking about them being the informed, the best team in the country throughout the National League. And they were. Yesterday, I agree. I think the ideal scenario is you bring a Tommy Conroy and Killian O'Connor off the bench. Mayo, a couple of injuries. Obviously, James Carr is not in the 26. There's obviously been an injury there and they go with Tommy Conroy from the start. Uh, the fact that Killian O'Connor came on quite late as well would suggest that he's probably not fully ready for, for a 70-minute championship game. So McStay's hand is kind of forced in that regard. Um, and looking back, it's they're not going to throw the baby out with the batwater here. They've still done a lot of really, really positive things over the last couple of months. But yesterday, uh, we spoke last week about the game. I had a hell of a predictions, lads. I think I backed Cork, Mayo, Leitrim and Rory McIlroy to win the golf. So Jesus <laughs> Christ, it was an absolute car crash. I was very careful that week. That's like not to give my predictions. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you look at how the game panned out yesterday, and this is probably the Achilles heel for Mayo and this, this I feel, is the case and didn't really change from National League. When they're, I, I think of all the top teams, they're probably the easiest to frustrate in terms of Roscommon's game plan and having to kind of set the fence and bodies back, you feel Mayo, when the game is free-flowing, they are brilliant. And they've shown that through all the National League. They were top class. But when the game is slowed down and Roscommon were like, like the Atletico Madrid of GAA yesterday, it was a brilliant, 
brilliant performance from them. A game plan from Davy Burke and Mark McHugh executed to an absolute T. Mayo struggled against that. They only scored a point from play in the first half with a massive wind. And you could see with each minute of that game going by, they were getting more and more frustrated. The crowd nearly working against them, they were getting frustrated. You could see so many times the referee was given a lot of freeze. It was a stop-start game. The expression on the Mayo's, Mayo players' faces, they were pissed off with how mm-hmm. this game was going. And that is something, it's brilliant from Common because they, they control the game from start to finish. The game was played on their terms. And Mayo, in situations like that, if they are going to win the All-Ireland, they can't expect every game they play to be 100 miles an hour. They need to get better. And they learn a lot from that game yesterday of playing against that, you know, a stop-start game, playing against bodies back. I felt in the first half, and this can happen. I've played in games like this, and I'm sure you're the same, lads, where you have a wind at your back. And particularly if you're a forward, you're thinking, I just need to get shots off here. The wind is going to do the rest. And you could get, Mayo tried to score in the first half off first phase possession all the time. All the time. Pot shots, Connor Loftus, Matty Rowan, just, they are not high percentage shots. But because they were getting frustrated, even in the first half, it just snowballed from there. And Roscommon, they were set up brilliantly. They got their matchups right. Their game plan was from Connor Carroll all the way out, all over the pitch, play the game on their terms. Frustrate Mayo, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And I would have been Ross Commons' harshest, harshest critic over the years on this pod of having really good technical players, which they've always had, but being easy to play against. And Jimmy, you, you would have known this. You go and play Ross Common, and particularly if you're a forward on the opposing team, you're thinking, I'm going to get it. This is going to be man on man. I'm going to get a couple of shots off here. It was a nice game to play. That was not a nice game for Mayo to play yesterday. And that's credit to Davy Burke. Brian Stack, Connor Daly, David Murray, who's been around the block for so long. They outsmarted Mayo, outfought Mayo, and then they had a little bit of stardust, like we said, of Dermot Murta coming down the stretch as well. So for Mayo, they need to learn and learn fast of how to play against that set defence. That's the next string in their ball if they're going to win the All-Ireland. We know they can do loads of other stuff and loads of good stuff, but for us, Common. You've seen a side to them, which you've seen glimpses of it in the National League, tight wins against Tyrone, for example. They've got a little bit of steel about them. And, and yesterday was a perfect example of it and a brilliant, brilliant game plan and executed perfectly from the Common players as well. They were full value for that win. I think the the best thing about Common's kind of, say, tactics or game plan was that they completely killed the crowd. I remember they even said on the commentary that the crowd was absolute. You could nearly hear a pin drop. It was just dead. Mm-hmm. And that they is... They were nearly, Jimmy, they an, were nearly, an the Mayo crowd were nearly getting on top of the Mayo players because they were getting frustrated as well. They were yeah. bringing the crowd in in a negative way. For yes. Yeah, 100%. But when you're going into an away, like an away game in a big championship match, the crowd can nearly beat you. Do you know, when they're, when they're on you as an away team and they're being for blood and they're on every kind of block and every every kick... But the crowd was taken out of it because Roscommon were so in, in Mayo's faces and just, just killed the game early. Just killed the intensity of the game in terms of getting the crowd involved. And you could also see the stark difference between league and championship. Like the way that Roscommon, the, even the players, you could see how much more it meant to them. Like it, it was just completely different ball game. They were celebrating 
turnovers, they were celebrating blocks, everything. But they were screaming in each other's face. The intensity was just so different. You can well, get through league campaigns, but once the big stuff starts, it's completely different. Well, Davey Burke said it after the game. He said, the first time we met the Roscommon boys, Donny Smith sat down with him and said, Easter Sunday, we will be ready for Easter Sunday. So, like, are we just wasting our time trying to analyse the league? If teams are just thinking about one thing when they're sitting down at the start of the year, you know? No, the league plays a role in terms of players getting into form, particularly for new coaches, seeing styles of play. Are they trying to do it differently? What are they doing? Their kickouts, their opposition kickouts, things like that. You're never going to see someone's full hand in the Mm. National League. You look, for example, Kerry, we said it from day one this year, Kerry, we're going to be pretty uh, average during the National League campaign. That is not going to be the case come championship. You you don't get carried away with what you see in the league, but there's definitely things you can take from it. And from, from Roscommon, Day one, they beat Tyrone and the Hyde. The Tyrone were kind of struggling in the National League and we'll see a bounce from them in the Championship as well. But there was there was something different what you're seeing from Davy Burke and Roscommon that their structure and defence was a lot better. Mm. They were harder to play against. And that, for me, we had this conversation about Galway two years ago on the pod saying, they, very similar to Roscommon, loads of technically really, really good players, but... My, my experience of playing against Galway and against Roscommon, they were soft touch. When you played them in the championship, you're not overly concerned. Part of Joyce, Keane O'Neill, John Dively, they've changed that in Galway over the last 18 months to two years. And Davy Burke, Mark McHugh and his management team, that's the big change for me that I see in Roscommon from the, say, two or three years ago. They consolidate Division 1 status, but they're winning tight games. Like James has said it, they're nasty. <laughs> nasty yesterday, in a good way. What you need... I, I, I thought, I think I, I tweeted this yesterday, Dermot Murtis' score in the 66 minute was... They left. <laughs> it was the, the whole game. Yeah. It was the whole game. It was Mayo struggling against the set defence. It was Ross Common. The ball must have been turned over about 10 times in the one play, mm. but it was just disciplined tackling. It was mm. Ross Common smart, in Mayo's face, physical, turning the ball over, breaking. Dermot Murtis, the only player up the pitch, but he has the quality... Like Roscommon only scored a first point from play in the 61st minute. Mm-hmm. So as good as they are, they're set. They have that edge about them. They frustrate Mayo. They do get a little bit of luck, which you do need in games like that in terms of the timing of their goals. They get, you know, um, Connor Loftus' foul on, on David Murray for the penalty. Comes at a brilliant time for Roscommon. Enda Smith puts it away. Tony Smith gets a rebound for his goal. But to take advantage of that luck, you need to have all the bases set to take advantage of that. And, and Roscommon had that with their solidity in defence, their composure on the ball, and particularly, I had me heart in my mouth a few times in that first half with Conor Carroll coming out with the ball and they were hand-passing the ball around, controlling the pace, and that's dangerous against Mayo ball teams because Mayo have such a strong press, but Roscommon stick to their guns and they back themselves to do it. And, and in terms of a game plan, what they would have spoke about like I say, not just last week, but clearly in the months leading up to this game against Mayo, they would have had this set and it went to an absolute T yesterday. Yeah, and that's a credit to the players for the discipline to, to implement that game plan and then having the quality at the end to put the finishing touches. Can we sit on that discipline for a second? Because that was something that was so evident watching it. Risk common, how they slowed that game down, how patient <laughs> they were. It was on another level. Like I've watched a lot of these Risk common lads would have played some of them in DCU and would know a lot of them quite well. I've watched them over here. There is a nastiness with some of them that 
has always been there, but it's collectively it's been brought together now. Like Donny Smith yesterday, he scored, he finished his goal brilliantly. Donny Smith worked like a savage around that yeah. pitch, put in so many tackles. Then he came off, and Connor Cox came in. And when you mentioned that Mirtha point, it's Cox who's breaking out the defense of that ball and you know winning a free and, and putting but it on his way. Me, like, but like ben just O'Carroll, Ben O'Carroll yesterday, Ben O'Carroll was brilliant. You know, a young yeah. guy, he's a shooter, he's a scorer, but it wasn't that type of game. No, yes, particularly with the conditions. And he's working like a savage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, gets, like I say, it takes him nearly to the last 10 minutes. He starts clipping the, the beautiful scores, but the work rate outside of that. And that was, again, that's not something from my experience of playing Roscommon for years that you necessarily would have got. Okay. But you could see it yesterday. Just the, last thing, the last thing on the Mayo press, right? Because they did have the press on at times and it was, it, it, they didn't take their scores, but they did cause trouble for Roscommon at times. They are very but good. Back, back when the 2v faced Mayo when they're at their best and they put this press on you. If you went long, you were going long to Shamie O'Shea, um, Aiden O'Shea, Aiden O'Shea, Barry Moran, massive men in midfield. Yesterday, Enda Smith and Keith Doyle won the midfield battle. They won the midfield battle and that I think could be an issue for Mayo down the line if they're putting this pressure on teams. The keepers with the big kick out are going to be able to go over them because to me, Matty Ruan is struggling in the air. We saw it in the 2021 Atlanta final against Kilpatrick and Kennedy. I'm not sure if Jordan Flynn is offering him it, anything in the air. I don't know if Jim O'Connor's main strengths are in the air. So Mayo with this full press are leaving themselves open to a bit of danger here. I think I think you you could have said throughout the league that, that Mayo had the best midfield in the country. But they probably weren't tested aerially, as you said. Like Jim O'Connor and Ruan both had, have, are having fantastic years. Mm. But it does come down to one or two big moments in the air that can completely change a game. But if you notice the press in the first half, I don't think that Mayo pressed Roscommon enough in the first half. When, when Roscommon were kicking into, into the wind, I think the Mayo left them off the hook a little bit. And I, even I, when I, they, I, from play, Jimmy, I agree. I, I okay. thought they went big on Conor Carroll's kickouts. They at times, at, they left them off the hook but, a couple of times as well. They were dropping off and you're thinking, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Whereas they could have pinned them because again, with a strong win like that, you can you can rack up three or four scores in a row mm. quickly, and it gets you out of dodge because obviously they were they were trying to, as you said, score from every first phase attack. Whereas if you kind of win the kick out, you're you're six on six nearly, mm. so they could have got some easy scores like that. And as well, did you notice that Mayo had two open goals in the game mm. that they <laughs> turned down? Ten minutes. The they turned. They minutes. turned them down. Yeah, but well, no. Jeremy O'Connor had an open goal and was a flame had a side of an open goal. Yeah, Jeremy O'Connor's oh. one. If he turned on to his left, he could have stroked that in because Conor Carroll had no interest in getting back into the goal. <laughs> he was he was sauntering back. If Jeremy O'Connor just opened up his left, he could have side footed in. I think that was the one where he went to Aiden Shea and he got bottled up and it went up the other side. That was in the first half. And, and was was the yeah, second the one as obvious? Way. Was it? It, I, it was as obvious because it was with the wind. Okay, I couldn't see it on the in t- second t- half. In the, stand, in the yeah. second half, I think it was Aiden Shea had it as well, and they could have. I think they just pulled the trigger. They could have had two handy goals. But, but on it, right? I mean, we, we spoke with this with the later New York game. Mayo have two guilt dead goals chances in the first yeah. two or three. Coin, yeah. You know, oh, sorry, Cohen. Well, Collins was a brilliant effort, but right, I don't know who, when they, when they turn over, misplaced kick pass, a mayor are in. That's in the first three minutes. Yeah. yeah. With the wind. That changes the Conroy, like, and that's a goal. And that changes everything. 
Yeah. Every, it does. And this is what I'm saying. Like Ross Common, they were underdogs going into that game. I'm not saying it was like a shot to nothing, but Mayo were favourites for that game. And Mayo got off to a start like that. Like Aiden Shea with, with Connor Daly, a brilliant flick on to, to Stephen Cohen, like literally a minute later. And Stephen Cohen, if that goes in off the crossbar, Tony Uboa stuff, what a goal it would have been. <laughs> two massive chances. And if Mayo convert one of them, it completely changes the complexion of the game. And this is what I'm saying for, for an underdog, whether Roscommon like it or not, they were going into that game. Mm. But if Mayo scored those two goals, the game plan, it just creates doubt. It just puts serious reservations into your game plan, confidence of the players. Mayo missed those chances. And it just gives Roscommon more and more confidence. And then it develops into a dogfight. And that's what I'm saying. With, with every miss Mayo had and that lack of patience up front in the first half with a force of snapshots, it just gives, it's a negative for Mayo, but it just gives Roscommon another boost. And, and then when the goals come, the goals come at perfect times. And that's what I mean, that, that, that little bit of luck that comes with having a brilliant setup everyone knowing their roles and having that little bit of quality quality which Ross Common have. That's why I say it was like a perfect ambush and that's not a negative thing with Ross Common. It was a brilliant performance but that's the margins where Mayo just a little bit more clinical in that first half and they weren't and they've paid the price for it. And yeah. that's going to be the case with these top games in between the top teams throughout the championship. If you're off a little bit which Mayo were oh, it's so difficult to win them. So difficult to win games when you're like that. Yeah, I think your point though about the jeopardy is is fair as well. That they do now have five weeks, and that may just suit them a little bit better. It is quite a long time though to go without I a game. That, though, I that, think I think Mayo would have liked to play Galway in a couple of weeks' time. Really, like okay. The Connacht final, I, but they need to work on these things. Mm. I say that style of play, and Galway would present that challenge to them of playing against that set defence. Like I, I hear all the, like training's great now. We all say games. Games bring you on. That's where you learn most. Like Mayo can work on their fitness for the next week. Fitness is not an issue for Mayo. It's not. That's not going to be a problem. They're not, not going to win the All-Ireland because the team outruns them or outworks them. It's the nuance, particularly in attack, of creating those scores. Like Aidan O'Shea had a brilliant National League campaign. That style of game didn't suit him yet. He didn't have as big an impact because of Ross Common's setup and how Brian Stack sits in front of him, Connor Daly marking him from behind. They limit his influence. Mayo need, they need to figure out that. How do we still get the best out of him? And that's games do that. Do you know what I mean? So you'd be more, you'd be more worried the most that, of this defeat. Oh, I'm not. I'm not writing Mayo off. Like I said, they've had a brilliant campaign to date and they are still one of the All-Ireland contenders. But there are areas in their game, like all the top teams, that they need to sharpen up on. And yesterday, that's not a new thing. Mayo struggling against that type of defence. Yeah. Struggling to get shots off. Just that little bit of nuance and attack to break teams down. I don't think that's ever been a big strength. We know they can do all the other stuff, but I still think Kevin McStay and the Mayo players, what they've done over the last four months has been massively positive. But yesterday was a wake-up call. And I think they'd rather have games to work on it than five, six weeks of just training. I agree. I think they definitely would rather, definitely would rather the games, but it's not the end of the world for them. Yeah. I think I think the Roscommon wanted that result more. It felt like that watching it. It felt Roscommon were willing to to kill for it, whereas Mayo just didn't look didn't look like that for some reason. I just didn't think they had that intensity level. But 
if you're a Mayo player now, you've gotten your little, your, your wake-up call, McStale bring him in, they probably will work hard physically. And I know that they're not unfit, but that could be a string to their bow later on in the year where they could have extra running power. They'll have to spin it positively, obviously, for the group. But I don't know how you structure a five-week gap in the middle of your championship campaign. They've probably never done it before. Mm. But the, I, I, when I was watching that game the last night, I was like, this is not the end of the world at all for Mayo. There's not that much on the line because they have so many chances in that group. The way the championship structure is, it wasn't do or die for Mayo the last day, I don't think. Yeah, I think I think that's Rossi's going on to Galway. That's the I think that's a very interesting game now. It's in the hide. They've actually beaten Galway the last two times yeah. they've met in Salt Hill, I believe. So. But they'll take they'll take massive two the last three. Like like to go to Casabar to meet to beat, like you say, the form team in the country over the last couple of months. The belief they get from that, like the credibility that it gives Davy Burke as well when he's going in with messages, throws players go. Like there's huge belief that comes with that now. This is yeah. the game plan. We're going to set this up and we're going to take out Mayo and they go and they do it. It's just the atmosphere in Roscommon. And, and I, I have to say, like you said, they're harshest critic at times, but there was a side to Roscommon we seen yesterday, which was, which is a massive, massive plus for them going into the rest of this championship campaign. We've always said they, they had the technical quality, but they're set up their attitude to that game. <laughs> they were in Mayo's faces. <laughs> they were all over them. And that's, that's a brilliant thing for if you're a Ross Common supporter to see. Um, and the fact that they've got to be in the hide as well. Yeah. Very interesting matchup. In that is, that is going to be a brilliant game of the 23rd. And that is going to be an insane weekend of football. There's a lot of matches. We're going to just turn our eyes to next weekend in a Before moment. Before we go, Tommy, just one thing. And he will always give him, he's always meant, end of Smith yesterday. Oh, yeah. Outstanding. Outst- like, the type of game, it wasn't just football, which he knows, technical quality that he has. What leadership. The work rate, like you say, dominating around the middle of the pitch, Conor Carroll's long kickouts. He he caught an unbelievable ball in the second half of over Maddie, or I think it was Maddie Rowan. It was a bullet and he catches it. It was just everything he did in the game, the leadership, and he gets through at the end to fist over the point. We know he has the technical stuff, but I thought his performance, his character he showed yesterday for us, Common was exceptional. A brilliant, brilliant performance. He is a match winner, right? And we've spoken about how Clare shut down Cork's he-men, how Roscommon shut down O'Shea, O'Donoghue, Stack tied down Tommy Conroy. Why didn't Mayo shut down Enda Smith? Because if you shut down Enda Smith, you're shutting down the heartbeat of that Roscommon team. But, but Tommy, this, it wasn't like a Paddy Durkin pick him up and he's kind of waiting up front in the forward line. He was impacting the game. And Michael Meehan mentioned this last year. Top players, usually younger players, Games can pass them by because their game is just based on the really nice stuff. When the ball comes to me, I'm going to kick 10 points from play. And that's brilliant if that can happen. But Ender Smith impacted the game in the unsexy stuff, which I hate it doing. Jimmy, I'm sure you hate it. Forwards don't naturally like doing it, but it's so crucial in big. And it's different between league and championship games. He was impacted. He was getting tackles. He was getting turnovers. It wasn't like he scored five or six points from play. And it's an easy thing to shut down. He was outworking the Mayo middle third. And that's a hard thing to shut down. That's just fight mm. and edge. And then your class shines through at the end. Like I think Dermot Murdoch was a perfect example of it. That he works his balls off for 60 minutes, kicks a couple of frees, but he's not getting this, the highlight reel stuff until the last 10. Stephen Cohen's doing a good job on him. And you have to fight your way to through a battle to show your quality at the end. You have to earn the right to show your 
technical skills. I thought Ender Smith was the epitome of that yesterday for Ross Cobb, and I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, well said. Okay, so in the Munster Championship, we will be watching Limerick take on Clare and Tipperary take on Kerry in the semi-finals. In Connacht, we will have Sligo up against New York and Roscommon hosting Galway. In Leinster, we now know our quarterfinal matchups. We've got Kildare against Wicklow and they will play the winners of Dublin and Leash in the Leinster semi-final. And on the other side, we have Mead taking on Offaly and Tullamore and Loud play West Mead and they're on the same side. They're, those games are all on the 22nd and 23rd. There's Next weekend, games there too, isn't there? Like, there's some, there some cracking matches. Wicky McConville and Wicklow will at the start of the season. They're saying Kildare are going to win that. The way the season's gone today, that is that's an interesting one. Same sure. Offaly and Mead, yeah. The alarm bells are ringing. Tell me, you know, we're trying to be real positive about Mead, but that, ah, well, I don't know. Has that not stopped since week two? That positivity, Tullamore is tricky, and then West Mead and Leash or West Mead and and Loud, yes. Uh, fascinating game that one very very good game yeah there are going to be some cracking games that weekend in Leinster for sure in Ulster we've got Armagh up against Calvin Armagh bet Antrim at the weekend in their preliminary quarter final we have down against Donegal which will come back to in a couple of weeks but this weekend Fermanagh hosts Derry the spread is 7 points at the minute Ooh. and Tyrone are home to Monaghan where the spread is 2 points let's just start on Tyrone and Monaghan here James We've got sixth in Division One against fourth in Division One. Monaghan pull off the Houdini Act against the weekend Mayo team on the last day once more. We know they stayed up in Division One. Probably all had the marks to go down with Donegal at the start of the year, and we were looking at it on paper. How do you see this going against Tyrone? I think it'll be it'll be a war of attrition. Um, <laughs> I like it depends. It depends on McManus really for Monaghan. If he can, if he can have an absolute stormer, then they may be able to score enough. But if he doesn't, I think that the Tyrone just have too many scores all over the field. I think that they should be able to to kick on. They found a bit of form towards the end of the league. They flattered to deceive at times, but with the likes of Derek Canavan and Rory Canavan coming on late in games, they've found something just attacking wise that they seem to be able to put up the higher scores at the moment. And I know that that Monaghan had that great last day survival. They kicked they kicked outrageous scores that day. But I don't see them creating enough to be able to worry Tyrone. That's my take on it at the moment. That's not to say that the Tyrone are the finished article. I think that there's there's huge scope to improve for Tyrone. Um, but up front, I think there's more scores on the board for them. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to that game. It'll be it'll be like it'll be a bit like the the Roscommon Mayo game in terms of similar. They won't be able to to play free flowing football and 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 kick points quickly. It'll be over and back. It'll be patient, and I think the Tyrone have have a huge experience of that, and they have the kickers on the field to be able to to do the job. I think. Yeah, I think it'll be one for the purists, Jimmy. I agree with you. <laughs> um, yeah, like I watched them play in the National League uh, in Clonus. Um, uh, Monaghan obviously had a couple of sendings off that day but I thought Tyrone were a far better team um, and Tyrone's renaissance towards the end of the league I think they'll take massive um, positivity from that you look at the way like if Monaghan are going to win this game you expect McManus probably has to be in from the start I think they would probably been the start to me definitely Park Hampson you'd probably pick him up Michael McCarron would probably pick up Jack McCarron they're big matchups um, 
I think Tyrone got, got that spot on in Clonus in the league game a couple of weeks back. Like championship will be a different animal. The fact that it's in Oma, I think, is a big plus, obviously, for Tyrone. Um, as positive as Monaghan's, like I said, the Houdini act again of the final day and staying in Division 1, I think what we've seen throughout the league campaign to date and the burst Tyrone have got over the last month or so, I expect Tyrone to win this one. Like my predictions are worth absolute shit, as you know, but um, but I just think Tyrone. I've seen major pluses over the last month from them. From I'd say their ground zero against Mayo and Casabar in the league game, where it was just an unrecognizable Tyrone team from anything we myself or Jimmy would have played against. They've got that edge back, their organization back, and their big players are starting to come into form. With probably the exception of McShane. Who just mm. seems to he, he's just struggling for form since his return from injury. But the likes of Matty Donnelly, who was brilliant against against Kerry in that, that victory in Oma, Hampsey, McKiernan, they've got the edge back in their matchups. Uh Darren McCurry and Derek Hanavan. I, I think the quality Tyrone have there's so much quality there. Like yeah, the there's, quality there's so they much have, quality. It has to you, come up. You get when you back that up with their their edge, their organization and, and defense. I, I expect them to win this game. I don't think Monaghan will have enough. Now, we've written off Monaghan so many times, but I just think that's a big ask. As positive a victory it was in Castle Bar, it was against the second string Mayo team. And I think from over the course of what we see in the National League and with the matchups Tyrone have, I, I think it'd be a big ask for Tyrone, or for Monaghan to go to Oma and win that game on Sunday. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's set up for, for Tyrone to... To win Ulster, I think they have a, they have a great chance of winning Ulster from their side of the draw. Mm. Um, but I think I think the Matty Donnelly is so important to that team. He's the heartbeat. When he came the back leader. in, yeah, when he came back into that team, even I remember we spoke about that interview he did with Hampsey, where you could just tell it was like he said, "Lads, what's going on here? Like we're Tyrone. This is what we should be doing." And he just grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and dragged him. Dragged them back to, to but they Tyrone. all did Jimmy, didn't they? It was like across the pitch, it was a different atmosphere. It was, but I, he he seemed to be the the starter of it, or he just mm. seemed to be the one that said, "Come on, lads, let's get this going." Because we said that they must have had so many crisis meetings over the last couple of months. <laughs> that was crisis meeting one hundred and thirty-six. Yeah. <laughs> the voice finally kicked in. Yeah. Like in, in McCurry, and McCurry hasn't had a, a great year yet either. He's going to he's be been all right, though, Jimmy, hasn't he? Like, he's been okay, he's but he's going to be scraps. Like. Living off scraps, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And they haven't had their their forward structure down to a T yet. They moved Myler back into back into half back. He's probably more comfortable there. But I just think the quality they have and the kickers they have on the field, they could be very dangerous come the come the end of the year. They've they've serious quality, and I don't think that was ever in doubt. It was from literally from winning the All-Ireland all of last season and the early part of this season, it was just an attitude from Tyrone that was just way off, unrecognisable, easy to play against. The goals Mayo scoring Castlebar, it was like part of the Red Sea, just not anything you'd associate with Tyrone uh, or any successful Tyrone team over the last couple of decades. And, and you're right, that, that, that interview struck me as well when they bet Kerry up in Alma. And it wasn't Kerry at their best either, but... Hampsey and Maddie Donnelly, like the heartbeat of that team over the last decade. And all they were talking about was attitude, pride back in the jersey, like old school stuff. Yeah. But it, if you don't have that, all the technical quality that Tyrone have is irrelevant. Whereas that's the biggest change I've seen from them in the last month. Um, 
and it won't take much. This game will be fire and brimstone and all, man. Martin and Tyrone. Well, you expect to see that. Um, but I, t- I think they have greater quality than what Monaghan have. And that's why I expect them to win this game. We've seen it with some of these games before. Like, Monaghan essentially have a shot to nothing here against Tyrone. In what regard? They're guaranteed to play in the All-Ireland Round Robin series. Okay, yeah. They have nothing to lose. And they've, you know, survived. They've probably had a couple of good weeks there where they've been, you know, good moods in the camp. There's a young management team there. The players know each other so well. We we mentioned how it was a perfect ambush from Roscommon and Mayo. We're not. Are we seeing that this weekend? Could that happen this weekend once more? Like Toronto have been flaky lads since they won that Ireland. I would say flaky. A tight game. Just the nature of the of the way these two teams play. It will be a cagey affair. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) oversimplify this. (laughs) It could possibly come down to McCarran and McManus win their individual battles, and like. They're so experienced. McManus has played against blanket defences for his entire career and has been able to find spaces. Like you're Mayo struggling against that yesterday where they need that kind of open space and one-on-ones. McManus has been an absolute master for a decade of playing against these defences. And he's such a sharp shooter. If him and McCarran can win those battles and find those spaces, of course Monaghan have a chance. Of course. And it wouldn't be as big a shock I would say as Roscommon beat Mayo as if Monaghan got to Omen and win because Tyrone have had that flaky streak in them. But over the last month, that's what I'm saying. The form guide, mm. Tyrone seemed to have turned the corner and the pennies dropped with them. And that makes that for me makes them favourites. But Conor McManus, could he rewrite the, the script again? More magic from him. He, of course he has the tec- technical ability to do that. He's a yeah. genius. Yeah. I can see Tyrone putting so many bodies back in front of McCarran and McManus <laughs> that he won't be able to see the ball or the goal. Like, I, I, that, but he's that always is, dealt with that, Jimmy, hasn't he? To be he fair has, to him. He has, but look, he's coming He's coming to the stage of his career where he's probably, he's not as sharp. You know, he's not going to be able to get that half a yard that he used to be That's able to get. There's me and you, Jimmy, who are younger than him, like. <laughs> what age is he? Is he 35? Uh, definitely 35, Con. Yeah, definitely 35. He's playing, yeah. he played county football in 2007. I'm sure. Wing back, wing back. He played yeah. wing back, Mark, in Dunnick Walsh in, uh, in Crow Park. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that you're dead right. If McManus and McCarran play to their capabilities, 100% Manning can win that game. 100%. But I also think that Tyrone know that. And they're going to say, we're going to shut these fellas down by hook or by crook, if it means putting 10 fellas in front of them. And that's where you need your scores from elsewhere in the field. Like Mayo struggled against Roscommon. They didn't have the patience to be able to to dig out a score after a bit of over and back. I wonder, do Manon have that elsewhere in the field? That's where I'm doubtful. But they they definitely have a great chance. But I think the Tyrone are going to be ready for them. The way that Ulster set up um, Tyrone Monaghan and Derry for Man are on the same side of the draw so that's two promoted teams for Man going up alongside Cavan in Division 3 and Derry going up alongside Dublin in Division 2 they both lost their league finals last weekend we saw Cavan do an exceptional job on for Man as Dangerman um, Ulton Kelman who had an unbelievable league was marshalled by Porrick Faulkner quite well in that league final do Derry just have enough um, quality defenders to shut down the Fermanagh threats this weekend. Is that what we were expecting? 
I, I think Derry will win. I do. Um, we spoke about Derry's, I think Derry's challenge is going to be up front and, I, and that's at the right, the business end of the championship. I think this game against Fermanagh, like Fermanagh have kind of come out of nowhere, see a promotion, mm. a brilliant season for them so far and they've had some big wins and they do have some guys who can kick scores who obviously quickly gets a lot of, lot of the limelight but I think Derry in this type of game, this is like the perfect game for Derry. It, it plays to their strengths um, I, I, and I still think they're an excellent team. Like, like we said, in terms of winning the All-Ireland, I, I felt worried for them after the league finals and in comparison to the other top, top teams. But in terms of playing for Mana and how they'll be set up, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think Derry will have enough to win this game. But their eyes are on bigger prizes in terms, as a group. They'll be looking, can we retain the Ulster title? Can we make a real dent in the All-Ireland series? And I think that's where they'll come up short but for this game, I, I think they'll have enough to be for Manor. I'd love to. I'd love to see what they're doing in Derry since the the defeat in the league final because it's obvious that they they don't have enough at the moment to challenge the very top teams. But will they bring something different to the championship over the last? Will they've taught us something new or practice something new over the last couple of weeks? I don't think that I don't think they will. I think they'll do the same. I think they'll do the same thing. The slow build up, pick off their scores, and they'll they'll have no problem in Ulster. Well, in in the the early rounds of Ulster, but come the the faster football, when it's open spaces, I I just don't think they're going to have they're well, going to have enough. That, I don't think that's the challenge they're going to face this weekend against. Fremont. It's not, but that's okay. a, that's what I mean. I think you have, you have the game. argument. Then, do you take every game on its merits and play that game? Or do you try and build something progressively going forward? But isn't isn't the time to do that, Jimmy? I would say in the national league to try those things, and and they, we didn't see that. Do you know well, what I think? Mean? I think that so the, for them to start the right now and the championship would be a surprise. I don't expect to see Derry like 40, 50 yard kick passes into a full forward line over the next month in the Ulster Championship. But I, I just I don't see that happening. I think if we were going to get an inclination of that we would have seen it in a couple of the games and bear in mind yeah. they were pretty much qualified and promoted with two games to go anyway so but um, you think that they would have had a meeting after the the league final and they said right lads we're flying it but we're still we're not we don't we, we're not there I'd are we going to be, keep doing the same thing over and over and over again they're they not going to reach that would have had those meetings after the Galway all in the semi-final like, like it was so clear why they lose to Galway that that's last July we lose an all-earn semi-final because we're just not sharp enough. We're not posing enough threat in an attacking sense. They would have had those conversations last August, September, October, November, December. Like, their defeat to Dublin, as blunt as it was a couple of weeks ago in Crow Park, it wasn't like that's the first time they've lost a game like that. You know, there was nothing new in yeah. losing to Dublin in the league final than there was against Galway in the all semi semi-final. So I wouldn't say it was... They're driving on the bus back up to Derry from Crow Park going, Jesus, we need to be a bit sharper in attack here. I, I yeah. highly, highly doubt that that would have been, yeah. you know, a light bulb moment for Rory Gallagher and his coaching team. Absolutely not. But I mean, they're going to they're gonna probably win the game the weekend. Mm. They could win it. You said the spread is seven points. If they win it by seven or eight points, suddenly they're the, the best in the world again. There's, they're high as a kite, but they're going to walk into the same problems. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I, they're going to, they're going to walk they straight into the same you. thing in the summer. I agree with I'd you. I'd love to see them do something different. Risk it. Risk a little bit against against Fermanagh the weekend. Try something. I don't. I agree. I, I probably don't think they will. 
But I think that Dublin League final was was a real confirmation that they're short of something. Yeah. Second you know? half was a bad... Now, obviously, they, they were missing McKaig and they lose glass, but I just thought the structure... That game could have went on for another two hours. They, they weren't going to outscore Dublin. Do you know what I mean? No. It, it was a poor quality game as well. Like, But I, I don't expect to see... What, what I expect to see from Derry against Fermanagh at the weekend, savage work rate, really hard to break down, and they clip, they clip a couple of scores and keep Fermanagh at arm's length. I, yeah. I don't think we're going to see... I don't expect to be sitting there after that match going, whew, Derry are doing something else here. Like, yeah. No chance. Lads, we have two games this weekend. And then the following weekend after that, we've got eight games in the championship. So... um the Tyrone Monaghan game is definitely on TV. I don't know if Derry Fermanagh is on TV yet. I haven't seen confirmation for that. Um, but I'm sure it'll be on BBC at the weekend. Predictions? I'm not doing predictions this week. Not after Rory McIlroy. Like the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, like back in that fella. Jesus Christ. And I should have known better <laughs> than back in Cork as well. Yeah, we're having a mayor on predictions. <laughs> Let's just give our insight and then we can record we can, we can record and edit this. <laughs> True. That's a good that's that, that is a good idea. Now you're talking. Paddy, we get everything right. Retrospective clairvoyance. Beautiful. Myself myself and James are looking a little worse for wear. I've noticed it across the pod here. You're glowing, my friend. <laughs> Lads, the balcony, the doors are open. It's 25 degrees here down in Tenerife. Oh. Look, I, I said I give an hour and a half of my time to the pod. Fair play. Is texting me there going, where, where are you gone? So, uh, things I do for you, lads. A little bit of a tan. Go out and get sunburned until crisp now. Yep. You do that, Paddy. We will uh, hold the fort down over here. Thanks for joining us this week, Paddy. And James, fair play. This is episode 13 of the Football Pod. It's brought to you with thanks to AIB, proud sponsor of the Senior Football Championship. We are, of course, in Killarney on Thursday, May 4th. We would love to see you there. It's a bank holiday, the Monday beforehand. I may have misrepresented uh, the, the state of the bank holidays this year, last week on the pod. It's actually the Monday beforehand. But should we just make another bank holiday out of it the following week? Killarney in May is worth a week anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. James, Paddy, enjoy your week. I will. Cheers, boys. Bye-bye. Yeah.